Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Question and Answer with Bishop Julian Porteous. And once again you have with you Jovina Graham. Greetings. And myself, Jeremy Ambrose. Now, Bishop Julian, to put you on the in the hot seat again, recently we've talked about gay marriage and I guess we're in the middle of this big debate on gay marriage. However, it seems that we're in a very short space of time, uh, this attitude towards homosexuality has really shifted. I mean, even, I guess, uh, the church right now seems to be not speaking about homosexuality itself, but rather on a defense for marriage. And that begs the question, why has the world shifted in its attitude towards homosexuality so much? Have we shifted in the attitude at all? What, you know, where does everything stand? Mm. We're certainly in a time where this whole issue of homosexuality is such a dominant and divisive issue in our society. And we, and we know that um, there's an enormously strong, uh, organised um, process to, to bring in um, the recognition of um, the rights of uh, homosexual people to, to be married, in what often is called gay, gay marriage. And we have witnessed really in a relatively short space of time, an extraordinary shift in attitude towards homosexuality. It's worth, I think, just taking a moment to try to sort of see what has, in fact, happened. And maybe one way you can do that is by looking at some of the words that are associated with this whole question. As you're probably aware, a word that's probably a little bit these days people would be would really shy away from but um, traditionally homosexual acts were referred to as sodomy and uh, that particular term is is uh, an interesting term in the sense that it's connected to the town of Sodom uh, and Sodom and Gomorrah described in the book of, of Genesis the place where um, the judgment of the Lord came down upon them and uh, it's in particular related to uh, a story in, in chapter 19 of the book of Genesis where two men from um, Sodom come to Lot, uh, who was living in the town, and um, basically were trying to get his sons to come and join them, to be involved in the immorality which was apparently rife in, in the town. And it was clearly understood that they wanted to be involved in uh, homosexual activity. And, and so it's from that biblical reference in the book of Genesis that um, the word sodomy has become applied um, to, to homosexual acts. Um, the word homosexual is very interesting. Like, um, it's a word we're very familiar with now. We uh, unfortunately tend to divide the human race into two groups, um, the homosexuals and the heterosexuals. Um, the word homosexual, though, is, is not that um, ancient a word or, or, or it's not a word that um, has been around forever, although we probably imagine it has always been a descriptor of, um, of this. 
it, it actually can be traced back to um, a pamphlet that was produced uh, in 1869 where there was this uh, German fellow who was um, trying to um, bring in a recognition of the, the rights of, uh, of people with same-sex attraction. And he put forward the word homosexual. But the interesting thing about the word homosexual is, is it does tend to, for a person to define themselves according to one aspect of their character, of their personality and so on. Um, but it sort of becomes the overriding way which they see themselves and, and see uh, the way they want, what they want to live. So we've seen this word emerge. It, it's not so much that people have just a, maybe a homosexual tendency, but they say, I am a homosexual. So I define myself uh, in, this, in this term and define everybody else um, in terms of, um, of being the opposite heterosexual. Um, we would say, you know, people argue that you know, various percentages, but it's generally uh, recognised that the percentage of people who, who have a homosexual uh, tendency is quite small in the population. Uh, it's amazing these days because often one gets the impression that there's a very large group of people who, who have this, this particular inclination. But anyhow, the, the, the danger of the word is that it does, it means that a person tends to completely understand themselves in terms of, of this orientation. The other words that we're probably familiar with, gay and lesbian, they're the other words that have um, emerged uh, in recent years. Probably the word gay was, was connected with a particular period in, um, uh, in our more recent history, the 1920s, which was a time of great deal of uh, license and, um, and a lot of sexual freedom or a lot of um, people wanting to live a hedonistic lifestyle and be uninhibited with regard to sexual expression. And uh, this was always seen as being happy, uh, people enjoying life, going to parties, celebrating and so forth and that's where the word gay came so but a gay person in the 1920s wasn't necessarily only homosexual but it was somebody who wanted a great deal of sexual uh, license and freedom and so on but in time it became associated more directly with those who have a have a homosexual um, tendency so that the word gay so really has um less than 100 years of currency in our, in our, in our language. Um, the word lesbian came along a little bit later in the um, 20th century. Um, the word's kind of a little bit curious because it can be, uh, it's taken from a poem by, the, um, by a, a Roman poet, Sappho, who, um, who wrote a poem just talking about women who were very much drawn to each other more romantically and more at an emotional level, but um, it, this poem just somehow the, the idea of these women from um, from Lesbos uh, had this desire to, to get closer to one another in a female-female relationship, and so the word lesbian was taken up from that origin. So these are the words that um, are around. 
I think all of them have some very serious uh, limits to them. I think it's preferable to say that that a person, that some people within our society do have a same-sex attraction. Um, and I, I'd much prefer to describe it like that than to talk about gay, even to talk about gay marriage, or even to talk about a person as a homosexual. I say, no, you're a person, but you have the same-sex attraction. Okay. So in light of all this, Bishop, I guess we do hear a lot of talk about the gay gene and, and whether there is such a thing, a lot of hypotheses around about that. Does the church have a particular point of view, point of view on whether same-sex attraction is nature or nurture? Mm. This is a big question that is often um, talked about today. There's a real push to say uh, to say that um, that same-sex attraction is um, something I'm born with. You know, people say I'm born homosexual and, and so on, and people would uh, argue that then that if I'm born that way, there's nothing I can do about it. I should be uh, respected and I should be receiving equality of treatment and so on in the society. Um, certainly there's been no empirical evidence to support the idea, they often talk about a gay gene, but talk about the fact that there is something quite clearly in a person at a physical level that results in them being um, homosexual in their, in their tendencies. But I think really it's, it's, it is a result of complex factors. Look, I think it would be true to say that some people are, are born with a certain character, a certain personality, a certain style. It's not specifically same-sex attraction, but they may have a natural um, expression to their personality. Uh, they may say a fellow might, might be just more drawn to more feminine things, for instance. That may be may be the case. Not that that necessarily has to result in same-sex attraction, because I think there has to be two things at work. There has to be, yes, the, the, the nature of our the personality and so forth, but also a whole lot of other factors connected with their nurture, that where, whereby there have been circumstances, experiences in their life that have had a very big impact on them, to, so they find over time that they're more drawn to people of the same sex than to somebody of the opposite sex. Uh, they often, often say that for, for um, men, in particularly for young men, uh, the, the, the father figure uh, has been very important, and also for women who find themselves drawn to, uh, to other women. Often the father is, the, uh, is, is a critical factor, um, that women who may have very bad experience of their father may develop a real antipathy towards men and, and that may drive them in the direction of, of relationships with women. Similarly, um, an absent father can mean that a, a, a young man, for instance, becomes more, remains more under the influence of the mother and doesn't develop those qualities of masculinity or a sense of who I am as a man that then can connect with other aspects, other things, other experiences and so on uh, lead them to uh, to find themselves more uh, having an attraction towards a person of the of the same sex, but I certainly wouldn't say that a person is born uh, with same sex attraction. But there are a complex of factors that possibly result in a person finding themselves having a, a same sex attraction. Hmm. Now, Bishop Julian, this might sound, I guess, a bit um, 
a bit funny saying it now, but is it true that at one time uh, this idea of being same-sex attracted was considered a mental disorder? And um, I guess the question is, well, what changed? This has been one of the very interesting uh, things. As we know, there's, there's a very, very strong lobby um, groups who, who, um, who have uh, experienced same-sex attraction, who have often felt themselves alienated or rejected in society and so have often had a determination to gain acceptance and recognition and, and, uh, and the freedom to, to be who they want to be. Um, and so we find in a number of cases very strong and very effective efforts to, uh, to bring about change in, in, in all range of things. Right now it's to do with legislation in connection with the definition of marriage. In earlier times, one of the areas of, of particular focus was the fact that, um, that the, the, the psychological, the American Psychological Association uh, defined uh, homosexuality as a mental disorder. Um, and that had been the, traditionally how it was understood and how it was treated then by psychologists and psychiatrists. And there was a, a very strong campaign around 1973 to affect that change. The interesting thing is about, and, and you, you can read, and I have read, accounts of a number of um, key psychologists or psychiatrists who were involved in that, in that time to say that when the change was made, it was taken off the register of mental disorders, that it was done not for scientific reasons, not because there was evidence to show that it was not a psychological disorder, but rather uh, because of the, the sheer pressure of, uh, of the lobby. And, and uh, so the change was really the result of pressure being applied to, uh, to it and, and not according to science. So it's one of those cases where, um, where changes have taken place just through sheer uh, pressure of lobbying rather than through proper scientific processes. And uh, this has often been the issue, I think, around the growing um, uh, shift in attitude towards, towards homosexuality, towards those who have the same-sex attraction, is that it's often not based on fact. It's often just based on sheer pressure of the lobby. And particularly the, the lobby um, wants to claim equality, that we are equal to, uh, to everyone else. So... This is the struggle we have uh, at the present moment uh, in our society and um, it's, it is a very difficult thing. Even now it's very often very awkward to say anything that would in any way suggest that homosexuality um, or same-sex attraction is not normal and doesn't deserve absolutely equal rights to everybody else. Yeah, on that note, Bishop, we started off this topic talking about definition of terms and as we know now, a lot of people who speak of same-sex attraction as anything not entirely normal and mainstream are called homophobics or are labelled homophobics. Is that an accurate term? It's a term that's thrown around very, very effectively to silence anybody who would challenge the premises that, that, that uh, those who are promoting equality for those with same-sex attraction. And um, certainly there have been times in the past, there's no doubt about it, 
that uh, those with same-sex attraction have been per persecuted in various ways, of uh, terms have been used that are uh, far from complementary, and at times there have been people who have suffered quite considerably uh, because, they're, because they're seen as different and they're, they're sometimes been treated very, very poorly. So we would say, and certainly the church has said very clearly, is that that is completely unacceptable, that we would recognise the essential dignity of every human being, including a person, obviously, that has same-sex attraction, that they are they're still a, a child of God. They still have all the dignity um, of, a, of a human being and should be treated with, with love, with respect, um, with openness, and, and so on. So that's... Uh, that is, is very clear, certainly in the church's teaching and certainly in the approach that um, we would take to somebody with same-sex attraction. However, th there is this tendency because of, the, uh, of the, um, the strength of their own determination to receive uh, absolute equal status and standing in the society that any word that is opposed to them is straight away labelled as homophobic. You, mm. You, hope means you've got a fear of somebody who has a homosexual tendency. Now, we would want to make a distinction between the person and homosexuality as such, between those who have the same-sex attraction and, uh, and but the actual person itself. We would say we love and respect the person, but we do not agree. We cannot accept that, um, that the practice of... Um, same-sex attraction, entering into sexual unions um, based around homosexuality is in any way uh, acceptable. We, we basically see this as, uh, the church uses the word, a disordered expression of the gift of uh, human sexuality. Well, thank you, Bishop Julian. Thank you for those words that have provoked a lot of thought for us and, and you know, I hope it does for all our listeners too. It's a very delicate topic and yet you speak with honesty and with good reason and logic about this. So, yeah, thank you again, Bishop Julius. Fine, thank you. Javina, we come to our little moment of Did You Know? Do you, do you know the, the date of the feast of John the Baptist? The, the feast of John the Baptist? Yes. Actually, it's the feast of the, the birth of John the Baptist. I think it is the 24th of June. That's, that's correct. Have you ever thought about why it is the 24th of June? Uh, well, it strikes me that it's six months before Christmas, but I'm happy to be told that that's not quite the reason why, Bishop. No, you're correct. You're fully correct. It is um, the reason uh, that date is chosen because the scripture said that John the Baptist was um, six months, uh, or his, his mother, Elizabeth, was six months pregnant with John the Baptist at the time of the Annunciation. The angel told that to Mary. So the, the church then recognising the date of Christmas as the 24th of December said so it would be appropriate if we stay true to scripture by celebrating the birth of John the Baptist on the 24th of June. The, the other thing that's very interesting of course just on John the Baptist for a moment is that in the case of just about all the saints 
we celebrate the day of their of their death. Of their death, yes. The time that they enter into eternal life, um, as as a as a preferred date for the celebration of the, the feast of the saints. John the Baptist is different, just simply because of the fact that his birth was so significant and part of the plan of God in the incarnation, mm. and so because of that particular significance and and John the Baptist's quite unique role in relation to the the incarnation he was to be the forerunner proclaiming um, the coming of the Messiah and so on and and so because of that that connection his birth is celebrated thank you again Bishop Julian Porteous and we will see you all again next time on Q&A with Bishop Julian you've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous for more episodes, visit radio.org.au.